Tuesday, July the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Delta casts a darker shadow and oil prices soar. First, the world in brief. A study from Israel showed that the efficacy of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine has fallen in the face of the Delta variant, from 94.3% against previous strains to 64% now. The wave that submerged India, where the variant was first sequenced, has receded there and seems to be subsiding in Nepal, Pakistan and Sri Lanka. But Delta is now overwhelming defences elsewhere in Asia. Cases are rising sharply in Indonesia, which is running low on oxygen, as well as in Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Mongolia and Thailand. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, signalled that the remaining coronavirus restrictions in England would be lifted on July 19th, even though COVID-19 cases rose by 53% in the past week. Mr Johnson said requirements for mask wearing and social distancing would probably end. We must reconcile ourselves, sadly, to more deaths from COVID, he said. Oil prices jumped to a three-year high after OPEC+, Plus, a group of oil-exporting countries and their allies, failed to reach an agreement on its oil output policy for the third time. Further talks were indefinitely delayed after the United Arab Emirates rejected a proposal to increase production by 2 million barrels a day from August to December. The price of Brent crude rose to $77 per barrel. Hong Kong's leader defended a new privacy law after technology firms warned they might stop investing or even offering their services there. Carrie Lam insists the law is aimed at criminalising, quote, doxing, the decimation of personal data without consent. Her police officers were frequent targets. The Asia Internet Coalition, which includes Apple, Facebook and Google, says the proposed legislation is, quote, overly broad. KLP, Norway's largest pension fund, said it would not invest in 16 companies that have links with the Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank. KLP said that there was, quote, an unacceptable risk that the companies, which include Alstom, Altis, Motorola and several banks, are, quote, contributing to the abuse of human rights. KLP has already sold off its holdings in the firms. Consumer price inflation in Turkey surged by 17.5% year-on-year in June, the highest rate since May 2019, and above the mark predicted by economists. The increase was driven in part by increased prices for home furnishings, food and drinks, and hospitality as COVID-19 restrictions eased. More than 140 students are missing after armed bandits attacked a school in Kaduna State, northern Nigeria. It is the fourth abduction of students in Kaduna in six months, and the eighth in the country this year. Although mass kidnappings were once a tactic used by the jihadist group Boko Haram, more recent incidents have been attributed to bandits. And fact of the day. In the average penalty shootout, the football team that goes first enjoys a 60% chance of winning. And now here's today's agenda. Merciless. The death of an Indian human rights activist. Stan Swamy, an 84-year-old Jesuit priest, was the oldest person in India to be accused of terrorism. He died on Sunday, having been in detention since 2018, and repeatedly denied the bail he sought because of poor health. Today, India's opposition politicians and human rights activists will decry his death, loudly but too late. Father Stan suffered from Parkinson's and, notoriously, was deprived for months of the straw he needed to drink water. He perished of COVID-19. His jailers did not think to vaccinate him until after India's second wave. 
Everything else about Father Stan's detention was a travesty too. He had worked for decades to improve the lot of India's indigenous and low-caste communities. He was apprehended for helping organise a march demanding rights for Dalits, formerly disparaged as quote, untouchables. Evidence intended to implicate him with Maoist rebels was shown to have been crudely planted. No matter. Future of work. The office beckons. As countries begin to relax stay-at-home restrictions, a return to the office is on the cards for millions of workers. JP Morgan Chase, America's biggest bank by asset, is among the first to welcome all of its employees in the country back to their desks starting today. The return will look different for every firm. Some companies, such as Spotify, a music streaming service, have told many of their staff that they can work remotely forever. Others are less flexible. Workers are divided. Many relish the autonomy of working from home. Few miss the squash of public transport, especially as the Delta variant of COVID-19 spreads. Others lament the death of human interaction. All this suggests that hybrid arrangements will persist at most firms. Jamie Dimon, the chief executive of J.P. Morgan Chase, recently quipped, quote, People don't like commuting, but so what? That spells opportunity for firms hoping to lure disaffected workers away from more prescriptive employers. Breakneck speed. Germany's debt. In most countries, politicians promise to spend. In Germany, they curry favour by dangling fiscal rectitude. Armin Laschet, the favourite to succeed Angela Merkel as Chancellor, is backing the quote debt break, which limits annual government borrowing to no more than 0.35% of GDP. The debt break was written into the German constitution in 2009. It was supposed to bolster confidence in the government's ability to repay its debts, thereby lowering borrowing costs. The rule was suspended until 2023 in light of damage wrought by the coronavirus. But its admirers argue that Germany's massive fiscal response to the pandemic, worth over 6% of GDP in 2020, was enabled by the frugality it enforced. The debt break probably created more problems than it solved. Investment was squeezed and spending became less transparent. But if Mr Laschet gets his way, it could soon be reapplied. The European Union is due to review its fiscal rules soon. A German government applying fiscal restraint at home is unlikely to encourage relaxation elsewhere. Divided and misruled Myanmar The UN's Human Rights Council will discuss the crisis in Myanmar tomorrow. The world has not stood idle since the Burmese army launched its coup five months ago, jailing thousands and murdering hundreds in its efforts to quash resistance in the putsch. The UN General Assembly condemned the coup and called for an arms embargo against Myanmar. America, Britain, Canada and the European Union imposed sanctions against the top brass and several state enterprises. But such measures will not convince the generals to change course. The countries that could make a difference have reacted differently. ASEAN, a club of Southeast Asian nations, is riven with disagreement over how to respond. China seems to have now accepted that the army is here to stay. In June, Chinese diplomats began referring to the commander-in-chief as Myanmar's leader, and the Chinese government convened a meeting of ASEAN foreign ministers, including the junta's foreign minister. Can do. The film festival returns. 
The French Riviera has rolled out the red carpet for the international film industry every year since 1951, except for 2020, when Cannes was canned. That makes 2021's Rendezvous a bigger event than ever. Dozens of films will premiere beginning today with Leos Carax's Annette, a rock opera starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. The 24 titles competing for the coveted Palme d'Or Award, assessed by a jury headed by Spike Lee, include The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's portrait of an American newspaper's foreign bureau, and Benedetta, an erotic drama about 17th century nuns, directed by the ever-controversial Paul Verhoeven. Total Recall, Basic Instinct. Outside the air-conditioned palais, the festival will be hotter than usual. It has been pushed back to July from its usual May time slot. But it may not be as frenzied. Social distancing measures will put paid to the packed parties, jostling crowds and hour-long queues which have always been a part of the Cannes experience. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Faulkner, who died on this day in 1962. You cannot swim for new horizons until you have courage to lose sight of the shore. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.